Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Baseball postponed the Orioles-Marlins game yesterday. White Sox-Indians-Yankees-Phillies. NBA begins in two days as we continue to hold our breaths here when it comes to professional sports. And then you got college sports, college football coming back as well. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to our TV partners, youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show, the Fox Sports Radio lineup, and we're available in 362 cities around America. We'll check in with the Marlins coming up here in a moment. There's a few more NFL lists that are coming out, and we dissected some of those in the first hour of the program. McLovin says that uh, the city, the entire city of Philadelphia is upset Carson Wentz might not be listed among the top 100 players in the NFL. Dan, you know Philadelphia. Does that surprise you in any way? They would be upset about something if, it, you know, if something else, if it wasn't Carson Wentz and where he was ranked in the top 100 list or the fact that he's not. Poll question, McLevin, what do you have? Uh, so we haven't decided on one yet. I have a question uh, regarding the Marlins. Who's most to blame for the Marlins playing on Sunday? Is it the players themselves? the team uh, manager slash ownership, or is it Major League Baseball itself? Wait, run that by me again. Who do you blame for the Marlins situation on Sunday? They decide to play. Do you blame the players for playing, the management for playing, or do you blame Major League Baseball for not having a protocol to stop that? I'd like to know who knew in management with the Marlins. If Don Mattingly, I assume, knew pregame, uh, did Derek Jeter know who else in the organization knew and allowed them to go out and play on Sunday? Uh, Jordan McPherson, who covers the uh, Marlins for the Miami Herald, kind enough to join us uh, yesterday at this time. And here he is again joining us today. You were in Philadelphia yesterday at this time. Where are you now, Jordan? Uh, I'm back home in Broward County, Sunrise to be specific. Yeah, I came, got back home late yesterday. Okay. Where do we stand with Marlins baseball? Uh, as of right now, obviously their game yesterday against the Baltimore Orioles was postponed. Their game today is also postponed, which makes sense considering they're still in Philadelphia and Baltimore flew back from Miami to Baltimore late last night. The tentative plan is if their testing results are at an acceptable level by MLB, they'll be able to bus over to Baltimore on Wednesday to play their two series game there Wednesday and Thursday. Obviously, only the players who tested negative would be going over. All Anybody who tests positive is still going to be quarantined in Philadelphia. Are they able to bring up players? They have a, a, you know, they, another 30 players that are available to them from the minor leagues. Are those players going to be brought up to take the place of those who have tested positive? That would be correct. They have 30 players at their alternate training site down in Jupiter, Florida, and they're also looking at some 
veteran free agents or some, some other players who were on the open market to sign. They added two, pit, two relief pitchers, uh, Josh D. Smith, not to be confused with the Josh A. Smith, who was already in their player pool, and Justin Schaefer. They claimed both of them from the Reds uh, yesterday afternoon. What have we learned in the last 24 hours about what happened over the weekend with the Marlins? Uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty. There's been no specifics about their test results from their latest round, which they did about 10 at some point between 10 and 1030 on Monday. Those tests take anywhere from 12 to 24 hours to come back. Obviously, we're still at the tail end of that window of finding out if any there are any other additional positives on top of the 13 that they found out since they got to Philadelphia. In terms of where it originated, there's still a lot of unknowns. Rob Manfred said on MLB Network yesterday that the league has theories, but nothing definitive. But it's really, there are a few spots. Obviously, Atlanta from their exhibition game seems to be a focal point that a lot of people are going to, especially considering both of the Braves' main catchers had symptoms, even though they didn't test positive for COVID-19, and the Marlins played two exhibition games there. So whether it was the Braves passing to the Marlins, the Marlins passing to the Braves, we still don't know where the exact origin was. But it looks like even though the Atlanta, Atlanta, those two games seems to be some sort of a breaking out point. Uh, Before I let you go, I'm curious who knew about this decision to play that game on Sunday, even though they knew players had tested positive. Did Don Mattingly know? Why are they leaving it up to a player to make the decision to go out and play a baseball game, Jordan? Well, to add on to that a little bit, uh, Rob Manfred said said on his interview yesterday that the league was aware of the positive test. They did contact tracing to see if there anybody who on the team who could be potentially exposed, which his clarification and according to what he said the CDC guidelines were, just being a teammate and just being in the clubhouse doesn't necessarily mean you're potentially exposed. How much we can actually agree on that is up for debate. But they said that they found a ha- about a handful of players who might have been potentially exposed. They held all of those players in the hotel. And then the decision was made that it was safe to play the game if everybody else on the Marlins were okay with it. And obviously the players and, and Don Mattingly were okay with it enough for them to play. Well, good luck, Jordan. I'm not sure where your travels are going to take you, but hopefully you're headed to Baltimore, and we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, my plan is to leave for Baltimore first thing tomorrow morning. Jordan McPherson, he covers uh, the Marlins for the Miami Herald. Yeah, we talked to him yesterday. He was in Philadelphia with the team. The team's still there, and looks like they'll bus to Baltimore. Just another day. The commissioner was on MLB Network last night, and he was being interviewed by Tom Verducci, and he said that uh, this is not a nightmare. I don't put this in the nightmare category. I mean, obviously, we don't want any player to get exposed. It's it's not a positive thing, but I don't see it as a nightmare. We built the protocols to allow us to continue to play. That's why we have the expanded rosters. That's why we have the pool of uh, additional players. We think we can keep people safe and continue to play. Yeah, they might, you know, this might be the hiccup. This might be the worst case scenario for Major League Baseball. Maybe. Because maybe they realize that there has to be stronger testing or they have to be more conservative in their approach here. But I I don't view it as let's shut down the season yet. I want to see what happens as they move forward. Can you continue to play? Are you going to be able to play 60 games? Is everybody going to play the same number of games this year? Or are we going to be doing whatever your winning percentage is, whether you played 60, 54, 50 games, that seems unfair. Uh, just got word that the Yankees-Phillies game tonight has been postponed. Yeah, had some postponements yesterday, along with the Orioles and the Marlins and the Yankees-Phillies, also the White Sox and the Indians. We're going to be able to uh, keep an eye on Now, the White Sox-Indians was due to weather, but uh, we'll keep an eye on all of this. And um, let's see, what else do we have? Ken Rosenthal had this. Uh, Marlins have added four additional players. Uh, oh, four more players tested positive. So this is a minute ago, Kenny Rosenthal. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. The Marlins had four additional players test positive. That brings the total to, what, 18 members of the Marlins total have tested positive here? 
All right. Well, let's see if, uh, how it affects some of these other teams. But it, this also affects the Orioles because the Orioles then, when do they make up these games with the Marlins? Can you do that? Can you have a doubleheader? This is the only four games that they had you know, with each other this, this season. Two in Miami, two in Baltimore. Now you're going to at least hopefully have two in Baltimore. And are you going to have doubleheaders? And it doesn't seem like that. Trying to make up these games, that's what I find interesting. And I did talk to a source yesterday, and uh, he said that the commissioner will not have teams forfeit games. He will not. You're going to be playing, but you might not be playing all your games, but nobody will win via a forfeit from the source that I talked to yesterday. Because it's an embarrassment for Major League Baseball if somebody is going to forfeit. That's why you have a pool of players that you're going to be able to bring in and you're going to have interchangeable parts here. Uh, you're going to need a program probably to follow some of these teams because you're not going to know who they are. Uh, let me see. Anything else that needs to be mentioned? Uh, we just got confirmation here. Oh, this is this is going to... Yep. This is the big one. Carson Wentz is not among the top 100 players in the NFL on the NFL Network's list. Our source is the NFL Network. Wow. Wow. I don't know if you're going to be able to get through your day knowing that. Carson Wentz. Not one of the top 100 players. Unbelievable. Yes, McLevin. So you're saying that he's eighth in the league in MVP odds. Yeah. But he's not one of the top 100 players. Who voted on the list? Players vote for this. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I see where you're going. Yeah. So I'm not going to blame the NFL Network. I'll blame the players. Is he disliked, McLovin? Well, that, those are the reports in Philadelphia over the years. Yeah. But. I mean, that shouldn't factor in on how good you are because Aaron Rodgers might not be liked in his own locker room, but he's still going to be up there among the top quarterbacks. Yeah, Paul. Coincidentally, NFL Network is releasing the top 10 most disliked players in the NFL list tomorrow. <laughs> no word on who's on it. But Carson Wentz is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's better than Dak Prescott. He's better than Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. These are other quarterbacks that are ranked in there. Yeah, McLeod. Ryan Tannehill's a funny one, too. At 68, he was a backup last year at this time. I don't get that one. That, you know, Ryan Tannehill is a, a good quarterback because he has a great running back. Well, you put Russell Wilson in tier two. For, he has a, the best running game in the league. No, I put Russell Wilson in tier one. Tier one, yeah. Running, yeah. That I, was just, I wanted to bring that debate back up again. <laughs> I'll let you focus the, on that. Wait, what's the debate? Well, the Seahawks are famous. They don't pass the ball. They run the ball. They just run it down your throat. So how can Russell Wilson be the second best quarterback in the NFL? Or hey, first tied for first? I I think that he does more with less than any any uh, quarterback in the NFL. I don't even think it's close with what he does. And he wins these games. His fourth quarter rating, the final 2 minutes of a game or last drive, right? I mean, I want the ball in Russell Wilson's hands over any quarterback in the NFL right now. And that includes Patrick Mahomes. And, I, and even Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a wonderful talent. But he might be a wonderful regular season talent. Patrick Mahomes did not have a good Super Bowl. But he's a great quarterback. Great quarterback. So I know that we pick and choose when it comes to the postseason. But I want the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. And you can throw Brady in there as well, but... I still, with the game on the line, I want somebody who has done it on numerous occasions. If I'm shifting this and I put Patrick Mahomes with Seattle and Russell Wilson with Kansas City, how much different do they look, if at, if at all? What's Mahomes do in Seattle? Like I could put any quarterback in that Seattle situation. And you're right. you got a coach, and Pete Carroll likes to run the football and play defense. And then when that doesn't work, when it's 12-9 going into the fourth quarter, then he says to Russell Wilson, can you help me win again? This is year in and year out that they do this. Yeah, McLovin. 
if you judge these guys by ability to lead your team to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, isn't the group bigger than just two guys? Because a lot of guys can win. I mean, Russell is no better getting a team to a Super Bowl victory than Aaron Rodgers or anyone else. I mean, he's 1-1, and he didn't even do anything in that game because the defense just rode over the Broncos. I feel like there's a lot of guys who are right at that level, who are just so good that they can get you. It feels like that team is competitive because of him. The last couple of years, it's because of Russell Wilson. But you never make them your Super Bowl pick anymore. No. Only the year when they blew out the Broncos, when I said it'd be Denver and Seattle in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that, it's a harder road. Look at San Francisco. Look at the Rams. The Rams have offensive weapons. The Niners have offensive weapons. Arizona has more offensive weapons than Seattle does. So I don't understand. That's why if you're going to make a trade for Jamal Adams, did you did you kick the tires on DeAndre Hopkins or Stefan Diggs? Like to me, that's a difference maker. Jamal Adams, wonderful player. I like their secondary. I didn't need Jamal Adams. I'm, I'm I'd be glad to have him, but it feels like I need a little bit more help than Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, and I need running backs who are going to be consistent, but. I don't know. I mean, this is what happens with these lists. It's just it's just preferential taste here with who you like, who you watch a lot. I just think that Russell Wilson became an overnight sensation after about eight or nine years in the league. It's like people go, man, he, he seems like he's pretty good. Yeah, because it was all based on their defense. And then, you know, he throws the interception, which the play calling was horrible there, but Russ threw the interception. If he has two Super Bowls here, history will treat him a lot better than a lot of these other quarterbacks having two Super Bowls. Yeah, McLevin. I know I'm jumping way ahead, but Uh-oh. will you look at the Seahawks as a Super Bowl pick this year? Their, their odds are pretty good. They're up there. I would, not, not high up there, but they're in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, but let me see how this, you know, if, do we get to the regular season? Does it start on time? Um, are there any injuries here? I, I think you're going to have injuries in the NFL. There are going to be a lot of them because of you know no preseason, these OTAs, like just trying to go in there and start playing. Like baseball, that's when you had some of these pitchers who just went in and, and you start throwing. And that's why you've had a lot of a lot of these guys who are you know have injuries get tweaked backs. Uh, Verlander, Corey Kluber. I think you're going to have that in the NFL. So it might be a season of attrition of who's able to stay healthy long enough because I do think you're going to have a, a lot more injuries than normal. Yeah, Paul. Going back to our quarterback list, if you had to bet on a team to make the Super Bowl this year, Seahawks, Rams, or Cowboys? First one you'd pick. Got bet a week's pay to make the Super Bowl. So you're not throwing the Niners in there? No. Okay. Because they're too good. Too yeah. talented. All right. But if you had to bet Seahawks, Rams, or Cowboys to make the Super Bowl, you only pick one, it's a season bet. I'm going to be right one of these years on the Cowboys. <laughs> I am. You're like the guy who picks a lot of numbers every week? Yeah. Way? But I haven't officially picked the Cowboys to, to go to the Super Bowl. Maybe that's why, that's what's holding them back. I mean, I, lack of support. Oh, I, and I just think there's way too much talent there. But I... I, I would probably go Seattle in that situation, but because of Russell Wilson Jr. the third over these other quarterbacks there. Like, I want to see if you can do it when you need to do it. And uh, some of these guys, we haven't seen them in that situation yet. Uh, we've seen Russell in that situation. Uh, now, what's the uh, pro football focus list that we're going to talk about coming up next year, Todd? Um, there's four tiers of quarterbacks, and uh, I'm not going to reveal. We'll let uh, Steve uh, Palazzolo, uh, who's going to join us in a few minutes, tell us. But basically, he's ranked quarterbacks tier one, obviously being the best, all the way down to the bottom tier four of all the uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, how do you pronounce his name? Steve Palazzolo. 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 Not Palazzo. Not Palazzolo. No. no. Not Palazzolo. Steve Palazzolo. And that Sam Palazzo, I think, was affiliated with the Mets organization. Steve Palazzo. Steve Palazzolo. Palazzolo. Is it Palazzolo? <laughs> it should be Palazzolo. I know sometimes I say Paul, sometimes I say Pal. You said Pal. I'm going to go with Steve Palazzolo. Palazzolo. So is it like Sal Palantonio? Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. That should help. I think you just changed the pronunciation, though. Steve Palazzolo. But I think like 30 seconds ago I said Palazzolo. Yeah. 
We'll work on that. And 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 he's a he came up with this list of quarterbacks. Correct. And they're different levels. Yes. Pro football focus. Pro football focus. Okay, and he's going to join us next. He's going to join us next segment to talk yep. about these four tiers and why he put them where he did. And his name is? Steve Palazzolo. Palazzolo. Okay. He's like a big shot senior analyst at Pro Football Focus who knows everything about quarterback. Former baseball player. Is he? I believe he's a former baseball That's player. good research by you. Yeah. Is that right, McLevin? 6-9 through the heat in the years for the minor leagues. Okay. Was his nickname the Big Paul or the Big Pal? They I'm called just... him the Paul Bearer because oh, if you faced him, oh, okay. you carried off to All right. your grave. <laughs> I like that. That that's a good poll by you, McLevin. The Paul, the Powell Bearer, as Todd would say. That's a good Powell, Powell Bearer. Bearer. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Yet another list to decipher here. Twenty after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. I don't know if the audience is familiar with Ethan. He's our star researcher, a Harvard grad. And uh, it's his... Oh, Ethan. Ethan, it's his day off, and he sent me in the following. We have a uh, measure for clutch drives and clutch drive opportunities. Since 2000, the NFL's success rate in a clutch drive opportunity is just over 40%. Russell Wilson's success rate 
is 59%. Highest in the NFL in the last 20 years. That includes the postseason. Also, highest fourth quarter passer rating since 2012. Russell Wilson is one. Deshaun Watson, two. Tony Romo, three. Aaron Rodgers, four. Patrick Mahomes is five. He is the uh, senior analyst at Pro Football Focus, Steve Palazzolo. How's that? Ah, Palazzolo. Pa- you had it there the break. I know. Can, okay, Fritzy, you want to try? Steve Palazzolo. Palazzolo. McLovin? Yes, Steve Palazzolo. All right. Paulie? Palazzolo. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Acceptable. Steve Palazzolo joining us. Uh, senior. I got the Steve part right there. You did. Uh, Nailed it. Now, you work for Pro Football Focus, but you were also in the minor leagues for how many years? Uh, eight years between uh, independent ball and a couple affiliated teams. Okay. The, your, your favorite minor league story is what? Oh, man. I mean, I just, well, I'll, I'll brag a little bit. When I threw in AAA, Buster Posey was my catcher. Okay. And I threw 16 scoreless innings to him in relief over about a month. And then they put it, you know, then I threw to the backup one time, gave up five. <laughs> so I like to think backup catcher just, you know, it was his fault. Let me the, throw to Buster. The best player you gave up a home run to was who? Uh, Carlos Gonzalez, I think. Right. He was pretty good. Cargo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was not bad. And and how many um, how many stops along the way did you have in the minor leagues? Eight years, about eight stops, nine stops. I was with the Giants, Brewers, Mariners, all over the place. Bunch of independent ball and uh, made it up to AAA for a little bit. How close to uh, being real is Bull Durham in your opinion? Is Bull Durham? Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of realism to it. Obviously, they're taking it to the next level with some of the one liners and stuff like that. But you know, the bus trips and the the challenges and all that stuff, pretty pretty well defined there. But you didn't have a Susan Sarandon maybe waiting after the game for you in the minor leagues. I have no comment. Not me, but I'll <laughs> tell you what. There was there is some interesting minor league cities. I'll say that. Not me, but the interesting. It's an interesting world, Dan. Uh, I'm sure it is. Uh, I think when I was growing up, they were called stage door jonies. Uh, hey, well. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us here. And I saw that uh, Pro Football Focus, I have great respect for Pro Football Focus, that uh, you have their quarterbacks and you have different tiers here. So explain how you came up with the criteria of where you were ranking these quarterbacks. Yeah, so I'm just like, I'm naturally, I'm not good for TV because everybody wants this really nice hot take and you've got quarterback one and quarterback 32. And I'm like, look, that's just not how the NFL works, right? So you've got, I've always looked at the tier one quarterback. And I think through the years you said, okay, that's Brady, that's Breeze, Rogers, Peyton. Those guys can carry a team no matter what happens. Tier two, I feel like there's always, you know, six or eight guys in the league at any given time that you feel like, hey, they can carry an offense. Uh, you want to have a good situation around them. They're just just outside that top tier. And then tier three is probably that more ex- most extensive group where you have these guys any given year. If, if the, you know, if the situation's right, the play calling, the playmakers, they can have a great year. If that stuff's not there, they're not looking all that good. I think there's a big group of signal callers that fit into that tier three. And then four is uh, either an unknown or these guys are, you know, maybe their last year starting their last opportunity uh, they're young. They haven't proven it yet. So I just tried to throw guys into those various buckets because I think it's uh, I think there are some somewhat clear lines around the NFL these days. OK, your top tier quarterbacks are who? Just Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And I think, again, this was one of those Brady was always there and Breeze was always there. I think with their age, they're declining just a touch. I think Aaron Rodgers, we've seen him decline in recent years. He hasn't been that guy who no matter who you throw around him, uh, the results are there. So I think all those guys dropped down a little bit. Patrick Mahomes pretty much stepped right in to being a tier one quarterback since he started. And I would say Russell Wilson kind of jumped up from two to one over these last couple of years. He was always very good. He was always one of those top eight guys, but he's right there with Mahomes and our uh, throw by throw grading over the last two seasons. Why is Lamar Jackson tier two? Uh, I think with Lamar, it's just, let's see it one more time. You know, I think, I think an important part of, you know, doing this work is saying last year is not the only thing that happened, right? You know, two years ago, he wasn't all that accurate. He did improve that last year. I think it's just, hey, let's see it one more time. And then a year from now, he could be in tier one. How big of a drop-off have we had with Tom Brady? 
I don't think it's nearly as big as the stats would show last year. He was our 12th graded quarterback last year, but I think by all statistical measures, he was 25th or 26th or whatever it might've been. So um, I think that's kind of the beauty of the PFF system. We could say, look, we're going to grade every single throw, how, you know, where you throw it, the accuracy, the decision-making, but the stats and the output are so dependent on playmakers and play calling in the situation, as I was mentioning, um, I think that took a massive step back for Brady last year. So I would say he's taken slight steps back over the last couple of years, but not nearly as bad as the numbers would show. So you would think, assuming he picks up the system with Bruce Arians, they, they're on the same page. He should have a better season with all those playmakers around him. Who else is there tier two? Um, so we've got, uh, so we mentioned Lamar, uh, why am, why am I drawing a blank right now on these guys? Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. So Watson's kind of like Russell Wilson in past years. Wilson would always have those two or three games where you just massively question, uh, you know, wh why is he having this terrible game? That's Watson right now. You know, like one week he's an MVP candidate, the next week he's terrible. I think he's right there in that mix. Matt Ryan has uh, quietly been really, really good year in, year out. He's coming off a rough season, but I think Matt Ryan's going to be right up there. I mentioned Brady and Breeze. They're both in there. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers, who I mentioned before, too. You know, again, I don't think he's been a tier one quarterback, but he's still certainly more than capable. If they put better playmakers around him in Green Bay, he'd, I think he'd bounce back, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, but they don't have better playmakers in Green Bay. No, they don't. I don't like their strategy right now. I think they're trying to uh, essentially take the ball out of Rodgers' hands rather than put it in his hands, and I think that's uh, potentially a mistake if they focus too much on the run game. Steve Palazzolo joining us on loan from Pro Football Focus, one of their senior analysts. If I said you could sign one of these quarterbacks for the same price the next five years, I gave you Garoppolo, Goff, Prescott, Wentz. Oh man, I think it, it's between Wentz and Prescott, and I think I think it's more just because of their their high end capabilities that they are all in that tier three. They they've all had great seasons. One of my favorite ways of breaking down that 2016 class: you've got Wentz, you have Goff, uh, and you have Dak. Uh, they've all been our top graded quarterback in one you know in in a season. Dak now has two of them in the, in the four years they've been in the league. So I'd probably lean either Wentz or Dak. I'd, I'll go with Dak right now because I've just seen what he can do with that really nice supporting cast. But it's it's really, really close, I'd say, between Dak and Wentz. Do you think Dak's a great quarterback? No, I don't think he's great. So I, here's what I, I think the NFL, I think over the last decade, if you went back and, you, and everybody put together a top eight quarterback list, you'd almost certainly land around the same names. I think we're at this transitional point uh, where Ben Roethlisberger's dropped off and Phillip Rivers, Brady Breeze, all those guys, right? Um, we don't know what that next tier is. So I think Dak could be in that next group. I, I just don't know that they're there yet. I think we're just in this world of middle-class quarterbacks, and I think Dak is in that boat. I think Wentz is in that boat where, again, hmm. if you give Dak, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, and Kellen Moore calling plays, you're going to get great production like you did last year. You're going to get Carson Wentz's 2017 season uh, where he was an MVP candidate. Everybody thought, year two, here he goes. He's going to be the next big thing. But it was the situation. It was everything around him that was great. I think that's the state of the NFL. There's a bunch of middle-class quarterbacks, Dak being one of them, where when the situation's great, they can have top-ten production. Would you rather have Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? Oh, I'm going Kyler on this. Uh, we we butt heads with Bill Bills fans quite a bit. I think Josh Allen's just, you know, they won a lot of games last year. He's just so inconsistent. Uh, highest percentage of negatively graded throws in our system last year. He just misses too many. He did take uh, steps forward. The rushing ability is nice, but I think Kyler's just, he's more accurate, better decision maker, has that same dynamic rushing ability. I would take Kyler over Allen going forward. Who's the lowest rated starting quarterback? I'm not, I told you, Dan, I'm, I just put tears out here. I'm not trying to, to trash anybody, but, um, you know, Darnold's down there. Trubisky's down there. You know, Trubisky was one of those guys. I think our system did a really good job of saying, hey, 2018 was a mirage. You know, they won a lot of games. The stats were really good. He did not grade well at all. Um, and he regressed last year. I think it, it kind of backed up our numbers. So I think when you look at what Trubisky's done, I don't know if he's considered a starter right now with Foles in there. But, um, yeah, he's been among the worst over the last couple of years. If Cam Newton was healthy, where would he be on this list? See, I think he's he's right in that tier three. I think he's right in the middle. And I think when you go back and look at Cam's career, I, it, it, the, the headlines are interesting, right? The Patriots signed former MVP Cam Newton. I, I think he was an MVP. <laughs> But one out of his eight seasons, he's been an elite quarterback. You know, I think when you really look at his career, he's been good, not great. Which well, is his fine. rookie year, he was really good. 
Yeah, but he was really he's put he he broke rookie records, which were you know a lot of okay. passing yards and you know like first game passing yards, things that don't really I don't think matter going forward. So I think he's been really good throughout his career. 2015 was exceptional, but he's a good, not great quarterback. People are talking Hall of Fame for Cam. I just don't see it. But I think with New England, there's a skill set to tap into, right? Do they want to run him a little bit? He's on a one-year deal, so I think he's a tier three quarterback, which means. Patriots use him well. If some of those playmakers emerge, yeah, he could put up some some pretty good production. Let me go back to the stats that I uh, was reading to the audience about Russell Wilson. Why is it Seattle hasn't gone all in to surround Russell Wilson with a potent offense like the Rams did with Jared Goff and like the Niners did with Jimmy Garoppolo? I think it's a philosophy that they have to run the ball to win. I really think it starts with Pete Carroll saying, look, we have to run the ball. And I think there's, there's anecdotal evidence, right? Like when – when we had a Marshawn Lynch and when we had that defense, we won a Super Bowl and we were one play away from winning two. And I think they think that's how they have to win. And then there was one year, I think 2015, they kind of unleashed Russell Wilson. Hey, go chuck it. We got no passing game. And they didn't, they didn't win. Um, and then there was another year they unleashed him and they didn't make the play. 2017, they didn't make the playoffs. And then in 18, they mm. said, all right, we're getting back to the running game. We're taking the ball out of Wilson's hands. And they made the playoffs by like one game. And I think their thinking is just wrong. Um, in that I think it's um, so th- they think they need to run the ball to win when the reality is instead of having Russell Wilson drop back 25 times like if he drops back 35 times he'll be okay he can carry this team and they need to they need to put the ball in his hands and to your point yeah add those playmakers around him uh, I don't need you to necessarily assess Jamal Adams but the importance of the safety position in today's NFL is what compared to <laughs> edge rusher cornerback uh, and anybody else you want to throw in there on defense? So the tricky part here, I'd say, so it's cornerback first. And a lot of the research we've done is actually, if you if you want to build a team, you want to do it from back to front. It's kind of the opposite of the the way I think the NFL has thought about it through the years. The Ravens did that last year. Um, and obviously Seattle's doing it right now. They have our lowest graded or our lowest ranked defensive line going into the year and their secondary is top five now with Jamal Adams. So um, I'd say cornerback's most important. If you know you're going to get a good safety, it is actually probably more valuable than the edge rusher that makes $15 million a year. So I don't mind this deal overall for Seattle, but if you're going to invest in a safety, a do-it-all safety like Jamal Adams, who can play every single position, affect your run defense, your pass coverage, and actually rush the passer a little bit, uh, I think there's a ton of value there. The question of compensation, though, is, is a separate one. If I said you could have Jamal Adams or DeAndre Hopkins if you're Seattle, I'm always taking the receiver. I, I mean, again, but I, why didn't they make so- a run on DeAndre Hopkins or Stefan Diggs if you're going to make a run on Jamal Adams? I, I honestly think because they want to run the ball. It, my my <laughs> theory for team building. My theory for team building is you try to get four deep as far as re- your receivers and tight ends. Right? You want to have four guys where defensive coordinators are staying up at night to stop you. And I think Seattle's looking at well, we got they got their two. They got DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. Um, they still feel. Pete Carroll's a defensive coach. They feel like they need to win with defense. That's why they did it, I think. I disagree. I would you throw Hopkins into the mix, you throw Stephon Diggs into the mix, and you know, make life difficult for defensive coordinators. To me, that's how you win in today's NFL. Great stuff, Steve. We appreciate your time. And now that we figured out how to pronounce your name, then we'll have you back on the show. Perfect. Anytime. Appreciate it. He was the pole bearer, and that, that's the nickname. Were you known as the pole bearer in uh, minor leagues? No, no, you... I was not good enough to have any nickname. <laughs> I think I was the leaning tower of uh, I was some sort of tower of something. Well, I don't know. Well, I you're 6'9", six, six, right? 6'10". Six, I listed 6'10". Six, <laughs> so, 6'10". The leaning tower of something. Of pitcher. I forget what it was. I got to look it up. It's on the internet somewhere. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, senior analyst, Pro Football Focus. Fritzy, you know how to pronounce his name? Palazzolo. There you go. Yes, McLovin, what? The Paul Barrow could be bad, too, because after you let off a home run, your teammates could carry you off back to the bullpen. You're just thinking about that. No, I like the Paul Barrow. Um, hmm. I'd, I'd have to give that a little bit more thought. The leaning tower of what? Like, that's what I'd be curious. You're 6'10". That might not be good either. The leaning tower of... Yeah. Yeah, we have to workshop that one. All right, we'll take a break. That was good stuff. Interesting stuff. Your phone calls are next here on The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, 
at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening a couple of phone calls here uh, let me see marcus in colorado marcus been holding for a while thanks for your patience what's on your mind today hey dan five eight two twenty uh dan i'm with you on these lists uh these are just stupid clickbait lists um <laughs> they, they make these outrageous uh statements in order to get people to to read their articles but i absolutely love uh when mclevin brings them up and how upset you get about them. <laughs> I, I know these lists uh, really get you down, but I just saw Outer Banks was picked up for a second season. So hopefully that picks up your morale. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus. Yeah, Outer Banks. When I, I told my daughters that I was watching this show, I think it's Netflix, and it's, it's like teenage drama. And they were, I think, both excited and disappointed that I would be watching this show. And probably not in that order. Yes, Todd. I told my daughter the same thing, and she had a very similar reaction. She was like, couldn't believe you were watching that, but she thought it was kind of cool that you checked it out. I'm running out of things to watch <laughs> on Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime, and like, I'm, I'm searching here a little bit. And I started watching a five-part series on the Mafia, the New York Mafia. So I watched one episode so of that. It's fiction. <laughs> yeah. You got something for me on uh, a show to watch there, Seton? Uh, I'm halfway through season two of The Deuce on HBO. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. You don't want to watch that one when the kids are around. Yeah. I started watching it a little. Maggie Gyllen yeah. Hall is really good in it, but I, I was like, no. Nah. I remember you know, being in Times Square back in the uh, early 80s, and that was a seedy place to go, man. That whole area, 42nd Street, yeah. that was some seedy stuff. And then you watch the, you know, the mafia stuff, and you're back in the 70s and the 80s, and I was there in New York in the 80s. There was so much stuff going on. Like, you'd pick up the tabloids, the New York Post or Daily News. There was somebody getting whacked, you know, be on the front page. Uh, but just being around that. My wife's from Staten Island, so Paul Castellano lived in Staten Island. Like, And then a lot of these uh, guys who were in the mafia would never have any shrubbery in front of their houses. So you couldn't hide there. You'd have these beautiful places, and then there'd be no bushes, no hedges, no nothing in there. Yeah, see. When I was uh, younger and still lived in New Jersey, we had uh, these people moved in next door to us, and they came from Staten Island, and they were like, oh, we got to get out here over to Jersey where it's just nice. There's trees, and there's green and bushes and all this stuff. And within the first month, they completely leveled their backyard, cemented over everything, and put in a pool. <laughs> we're like, you came here for all the green, and then you got rid of your entire yard. <laughs> Uh, Josh in Ohio joins us. Hey, Josh. Hey, Dan. Five nine two hundred. Uh, first, first time caller. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, listening to all this uh, MLB news with the, the Marlins and kind of the scare it's putting on everybody. I'm out here driving for work and I'm uh, kind of brainstorming some NFL ideas. If the NFL has uh, maybe any worry that their season would be able to go on or keep on, what do you guys think about a? Uh, all division schedule. So kind of maybe do something like four games uh, per team in your division only. It would limit your exposure between divisions. So if you did have an outbreak, uh, you'd be able to limit it to your division. If you had to cancel a week or two of games. Well, we brought uh, that up earlier, Josh. Uh, I, I brought that up in the first hour and thanks for the phone call. But here's the problem. The AFC East, if you have the Jets, Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, that doesn't mean you could take, uh, you know, bus rides or trains. You, you know, you want to be able to get to the other team's stadium. Um, you know, you, you got to factor in that. But if you're saying, I have all the Florida teams and they're going to be playing one another. Yes, Eden. So if you're looking at that, right, if you sort of look at a map of where the, the league, uh, every team in the NFL uh, is located, yeah. there's only a few that are sort of outliers that are out all by themselves. Like the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. they don't really have anybody all that close to them. The Broncos are sort of out uh, alone. Kansas City is sort of out there on their own. But other than that, you could split it up into pretty e- easy divisions. Like regional um, divisions. Just based on region, yeah. Yeah, and I just threw the, that out there uh, to Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback, just just in case we got to that point. He said it, the topic was broached back in April. But the players did not want any part of it. And there's there's a USL Championship Soccer uh, is already basically doing the same model, and they have way more teams than the NFL. Um, and I would imagine not nearly the resources to to do it. And so far, it's been working great. They're I don't know four games into the season, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if well the NFL. I guess that at least it was broached. The topic was broached, but it was quickly turned down, according to Albert Breer. So I was just wondering if we get to that point, just like baseball did. You know, baseball, let's get rid of, you know, what are uh, traditional divisions here and let's just do regional here. I mean, it's it's not ideal, but there's nothing about this, this that is ideal. Mike in Washington joining us. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Hey, uh, 6'2", hard, 185. Hey, uh, I just, uh, I'm obviously a little biased, but I like to see that Russell Wilson's finally getting the respect he deserves. I think you hit the nail on the head. He's done more with less than any other quarterback. Yeah, um, and Jamal also, Adams. you know, we're talking about, you know, that why don't they give him more offensive weapons, but you have a head coach who is a defensive-minded coach, and he wants to run the, run the ball and play great defense. I think going into next year, I think Russell Wilson and um, Metcalf have an opportunity to be one of the top five uh, quarterback receivers, and that's just, again, me being biased. And then with Jamal Adams coming in, once we got digs last year, we ended up leading the league in takeaways. We're releasing the top two. So I think Jamal Adams coming in is, is, a, is, a, is a really good call. I did have a question um, with the salary caps. Um, you see so many teams tanking for the number one draft pick and then a team – 
will get a rookie and then give them a big contract and you end up having to lose all your all your good players. And it just seems like this trend that's constantly going over and over and over. Do you think that there's a way that the league would create a salary cap for quarterbacks per team? Yes, something we've discussed on this program before, Mike. But thanks for the phone call. And we brought that up. Paulie brought it up uh, a while ago where it's like, why don't we just separate the quarterback here? And, you know, the position is going to get slotted with the amount of money that you can spend on your quarterback. And then you can spend the money on the rest of your roster. All right, final hour coming up. More phone calls as well. The Phillies, no players or coaches tested positive in the most recent batch of Corona test after playing the Marlins. That doesn't mean that they're out of the woods yet. I'll explain. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.